Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Kristen Lowry, and I'm joined by my husband, Dan. Hello. This season, we are focusing on reimagining prayer, what prayer looks like in terms of Jesus's invitation to abide in him and his directive to live out our spiritual authority in bringing about the Great Commission. So, babe, I realized that we did not share our own funny prayer stories Mm. in the first episode. You know, kind Mm -hmm. of we were back and kind of got into the topic. So I Mm -hmm. feel like we each need to share a funny prayer story. So you being the lady of the outfit and the pretty one, Mm -hmm. I figure I want to nominate you to go first. Mm, Thank you. So yes, I was thinking about it. And to be honest, I think it was Ted Wiesty who had said it was hard to find something funny about prayer, right? Which, and he shared a story, which actually was a little bit funny, but I actually did have a very, I mean, it's not traditionally funny, but you would say interesting prayer experience. I was, I'm going to say 16, I was 15 or 16 years old and I was really getting into missions and traveling with missions teams we had found an organization that summer who was taking a trip to Oaxaca in Mexico. And I signed up and apparently this organization was somehow affiliated with Oral Roberts University. So I really forget the connection, but that's where we did our training. So I was at ORU in Oklahoma. And for anyone who doesn't know, Oral Roberts is, I mean, I don't think he's the father of health and wealth, but really influential, right, honey? Like in, yeah, yeah. in like definitely the health one, and wealth. Definitely one of the names. Yes. One of the forefathers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the stream of this particular group is health and wealth. And so we were having, we're having a service. It was like a sending service. You know, they were going to pray over all of our teams and send us out into the field. We were going to be there for a while. So it was a big deal. Lots of people there, packed auditorium. And we are now like an hour and 30 minutes into this meeting. And the speaker is now entering into the blessings portion of the meeting. And I kid you not, he had everybody stand and he said, do you believe that God wants to bless you today? Yes. You know, people are hollering. They are clapping. They are hooping. Like it is not, it is not a dignified sort of meeting. And he said, I believe that God wants to bless you today. Would you just raise your hands and God will bless you. You know what I believe? I believe that God wants to give you a million dollars. That's right. Right now, a million dollars. I mean, this fellow. (laughs) Well, I got to say a million dollars isn't what it used to be. So you should have gone for more. And so I'm sitting there, teenager me, thinking, wow, I really don't think he's going to do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, that's my crazy story. Okay. 
So I've got one that's a little less, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's funny. It's just crazy. So at some point when we, we were pastoring, I had felt that the Lord had really spoken to us about the homeless population in our community. And there was a verse somewhere in Isaiah and it said something along the lines of like, if you're not looking out for kind of those who are orphaned or homeless or whatever, then I don't even listen to your songs and your prayers and things like that. It was something along those lines. And so I was really moved by that. And a few people in our church were moved by that as well. So we thought, what are we going to do? So at some point we decided we were going to walk through the washes of our area. And, And so if you're not from kind of Santa Cruz Valley, where we're from. Uh, It's a bit deserty. And when it rains, the mountains, like there's nothing on it. So there's no trees, there's no shrubbery or anything. So the water just runs straight down the hill and it will just flood the whole area, flash floods. So they created these washes to kind of you know, have the water run off and go out into the ocean. And so I heard from a friend of mine that the homeless population had a number of encampments in the washes. So we decided, let's just start walking the washes. So we had these little gift bags, you know, with like toothbrushes and underwear and, you know, a Snickers bar. Some just the things that people would need living out there. And my friend said, just follow the trash. So wherever you see trash, that's where you're going to see a group of, of people, right? So we're walking, we're walking, whatever. And so we found this one group. There's about five guys and they were all, you know, in their forties or above. And they were just happy as a clam loving out there. They, you know, were good times. So we went out one week and we said, Hey guys, you know, we just wanted to bring you something. So we gave it, you know, we gave them our little gift bag and we said, can we come back next week? And, you know, is there anything you need? One guy's like, man, I could really use toilet paper. Man, I could use a hat. So we kept doing this. Well, our plan was to go out and develop a relationship. And then the next step was to ask them, can we pray for you or can we pray with you guys? Right. Very simple plan. So it was only two or three times. And one of the guys that was with me, one of the elders that was there said, hey, guys, do you think we could pray together before we leave? And all of the guys were like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. And then one guy said, shorter guy, right? One guy said, so which one of you is the pastor? And I was like, oh, that's me. And he's all right, pastor, I'm going to pray with you. And I said, sure, no problem. So we're standing there, we get in the circle. There's like maybe 10 people in the circle, right? Five or six of us from the church, four, four of the gentlemen. We get in the circle, my friend starts praying. And this guy right next to me starts I don't know how to say it other than manifesting a demon right next to me. So as my friend is praying, this guy went from like just normal everyday dude and you could almost see his eyes roll over. He's like right in my ear screaming profanities about Mm -hmm. what he's going to do to me that, you know, only happens in prison kind of stuff. And the, you know, you can't have him and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Then my friend stops and this guy's like, all right, man, that was good. And <gasps> I'm just like, oh I'm like what the heck happened? And I'm yeah. literally just standing there frozen, not knowing what to do. So I told my buddy about it and he said, next time we go back, if that happens, you're going to pray. If that happens, we're going to take authority over that. So I said, first thought in my mind, I'm honest with you, it's like, I ain't going back. <laughs> There's no way. Do you know the things the guy said he was going to do to me? Like, that's not, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. So anyway, we went back later, started praying. Same thing, man. It's just like it flipped a switch right in my ear. 
I'm going to, and the devil's going to. And then my buddy just said, in Jesus name, I take authority over that. And the guy just like stopped quiet. I kept praying. And when we were done, he was just back to his normal normal wow. self. So anyway, here That's I am, time. senior pastor of a church. This guy's going nuts next to me. I have no idea what to do. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just flipped yeah, out. Right? Yeah, right? Oh yeah, my goodness. Yeah. So that's my funny prayer story. That is awesome. Not exactly uh, not exactly the tidy stuff that we would prefer to deal with, right? Yeah, yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Well, that's what, that's what happens when you kind of get out there, you know? Yeah, for Get sure. out of the building and get out into the muck, so to speak. So Where there are oxen, right? Where yeah, the stalls, are, the, stalls the stalls are, are dirty. dirty. So today we are talking about activating prayer. And I'm just going to read the definition for anybody who may not be as familiar with this. I know you and I were not really familiar with this before joining Novo. So here we go. This is the official definition. Activating prayer is movemental in nature. It operates comfortably in the supernatural, expecting signs and wonders, dealing with the demonic, and knowing how to appropriate the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. It includes spiritual mapping, prayer walking, strategic prayer, and is often declaratory. It harnesses the spiritual authority God has delegated to us and exercises the power of blessing feel like you could have used activating prayer in your scenario. Well, that's the thing is mm-hmm. I share that story. I mean, it is an actual story. It actually happened. But had I had understand a little bit more about activating prayer, that would have been a vastly different situation. Yeah. Not only in the middle of that situation, but going into that situation and coming out of that situation, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been maybe more tools in the belt. Yeah. Right. Better, better armored, better mm-hmm. prepared. Well, and I think as I look at the definition, expecting signs and wonders, dealing with the demonic, knowing how to appropriate the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, I think we would all say, oh, well, yeah, like I expect signs and wonders. I expect God to give me that parking spot. (laughs) That's not a sign and wonder. (laughs) Okay. But you know, I'm just saying, and I think it's almost like when you say tools in the tool belt, I feel like this is for me, right? I don't really use my tools because I think I know about these things mentally. I, You know what I'm saying? Like I know about these things in my head, but whether I use them is a completely different thing, right? Well, for sure. And, and definitely what happens is a lot of times in this aspect of prayer, so much of prayer is compartmentalized, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to spend my 10 minutes interceding in the morning and mm-hmm. then I do like my grace prayer or something like that. Or, oh, I'm going to abide with Jesus. So maybe I can do like Lexio, prayer of Divina, something like, uh, you know, prayer of examine. There's mm-hmm. that. Then I've got my prayer meeting where I'm interceding, you know, and and it's all just kind of like haphazard. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we want to do today is really begin to help people to understand how abiding prayer leads to activating prayer. Yeah. Right. In that we can't truly say that we're abiding with Christ and not have some dynamic or some element of activating prayer 
active in mm-hmm. our lives. And, and mm-hmm. I, I read a quote somewhere and I said, any prayer life that does not result in bringing about the justice of God in the world in which we live is an inauthentic one. Right. Mm. That's that's a pretty bold statement. Right. But the idea really is, is that Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Like, so where's the fruit? Right. And the activating prayer is part of that fruit dynamic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what is the fruit of the kingdom? People coming to Christ, signs and wonders, you know, Mm -hmm. disciples being made. Do you you think a lot of people get may be off track because they're thinking about the fruit of the spirit. So I, I can name five names right now who would say, Oh no, 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 no. I do have fruit. I have love. I have joy. I'm at peace. So that's the fruit of the spirit in our lives. But what we're talking about is the fruit of the kingdom, right? Or, well, so Paul gives his teaching in Corinthians. I think it's second Corinthians. I don't know off the top of my head, but where Christ is our first fruits. Right. And mm. he's he's uh, his death and resurrection is the first fruits of the kingdom of God. Well, mm. you and I are the following fruits. <laughs> mm. And I understand fruits is not like plural. I get that. But the idea of more and more people entering the kingdom is very much this idea of like a fruits. Uh, it's used in Luke nine, I think, in Matthew 10 of the harvest is ripe. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's also like, what do we harvest? Well, in that sense, it's wheat, but we also, you know, fruit that it, it comes. It's yeah. in due season. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the thing is where we compartmentalize so much in our prayer lives is we're going to compartmentalize to fruit of the spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other side will compartmentalize and say, no, 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 no. That's the fruit of the kingdom. It's neither. It's both. Yeah. And I think what we're going to talk about in prayer today is, yes, abiding prayer leads to that fruit of the Spirit, right? But that's part Mm -hmm. of the transformational process, which Mm -hmm. that fruit of the Spirit then leads into activating prayer. Got it. Because you can't say, well, I've got more joy and I've got more long suffering and I've got more peace, but I don't, you know, I don't pray for anyone. I'm not seeing signs and wonders and, you know, Mm -hmm. the gospel being preached in the kingdom here in Santa Clarita as it is in heaven kind of thing. Like, yeah, you you just can't separate them. That's really good. I like that a lot. Like the compartmentalizing of things, because I know. I am for sure like that's what I do. But when we talk about activating prayer, we want to go back. Professor Dan is going to join us for just a few minutes. He promised. (laughs) He promised it would just be a few minutes. Um, Professor Dan is going to go over some historical context of activating prayer. And I think the really interesting thing to me, I mean, I find this interesting as well, but just so the audience knows, I am looking at a fully fleshed out outline as though Professor Dan was going to write a book on the historical background of activating prayer. That's how thorough this thing is. I was like, oh, honey, we can't talk about that whole thing. So... The thing that we really want to bring out, though, is the pattern that we see throughout history with every movement of God has started with some kind of activating prayer. Yeah. So what I really want to preface this kind of time where I'm talking a little bit about history is what I'm talking about is the kind of prayer that leads to movements, 
whether that's on a grand scale of some sort of revival or that's in it's revolutionized the street that you live on. Right. Right. Your workplace, your business, like you're seeing the move of God in a situation. Right. Mm. I'm not talking in this sense about the kind of prayer that asks God to grow your church. Right. Because yeah. that, that's not movement. Movement is mm-hmm. like a wildfire. Right. You can't contain it and you can't mm-hmm. control it. When we're praying for our churches to grow, you know, we gather with a few other believers in our church and we pray, Lord, you know, bring us more people. Will you grow our church? That's very like, mm. you know, kind of fiefdom. Just move mm-hmm. here, Jesus. I'm talking about like movement kind of prayer, the kind of prayer that takes China to more than 100 million believers. Yeah, right? the kind of crazy. prayer that, you know, Pastor Cho in South Korea, you know, 50, more than 50 percent mm-hmm. of the population are Christians. I'm talking about the kind of prayer with Bill Bright at UCLA, right, that just goes mm-hmm. through a whole campus and spawns Campus Crusade for Christ that that goes on, you know, 30,000 different workers. They're going kind of everywhere. I'm talking about the kind of prayer, you know, that was part of the Jesus movement of the late 60s and 70s. That kind yeah. of prayer, right? I'm not talking about the mm-hmm. prayer to bless our next outreach. Right. No. Right. Well, and I think even though there are, even though there is fruit of the kingdom that is part of it, that's not the kind of prayer we're talking about. No, I think definitely distinguishing activating prayer is a particular kind of prayer that drives movement. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's what it's about. And so what you want to talk about is different movements throughout history that have begun because of activating prayer. Exactly. Right. And so what you're going to see is I'm going to give the example of the Moravians in Hernhut, Germany, around the 1700s. Now, there was started this group of people, never more than 200 people. And you can kind of think of it as more like a commune or a little village because, you know, in Europe in the 1700s, everything is a village in Europe. Today, mostly it's just a bunch <laughs> of villages with a few mm-hmm. large towns, but it's still like that village thing. Mm-hmm. And there was quite a bit of persecution that was happening because the Calvinists or the Reformed people uh, theology had taken hold or taken root in this particular part of mm-hmm. Europe. And so the Moravians had a little bit of a different, you know, kind of differing way of doing things. And so they all gathered together on this plot of land owned by a guy named Count Zinzendorf, which is the coolest name ever. You know, like I want to be known as Count. It totally is. Yeah, it it is a cool name. Right. I don't know why we didn't Mm -hmm. name one of our dogs Count Zinzendorf. Um, (laughs) So anyway, they start this little commune. Right. And there's a bunch of people in this commune or this little village that come together that are from kind of differing traditions. And so Mm -hmm. over the course of time, what happens is they decide. They're going to begin to worship with one another. They're going to begin to understand what it means to have like what they called these bands. You and I would call them small groups, discipleship groups, accountability groups. And so they're really throwing themselves into spiritual formation, transformation. As a part of that, they begin to learn what it means to abide in Christ, right? Through their worship, through Mm -hmm. studying the Word of God, through repentance, a 
big part of this community was the purging of sin. So every time they mm -hmm. would gather together, they would confess their sins one to another, right? Now, for us good Americans, the Western church, like, we don't confess our sins to anyone, not even ourselves. Yeah. Right? But that was That's part true. of their dynamic, right? So they're really going after this, like, mm -hmm. what does it mean to abide in Christ, not just individually, but what does it mean to abide in Christ communally? Mm -hmm. Well, they did this. Then something happened on August 13th, 1727, right? Zinzendorf said it was a day of the outpourings of the Holy Spirit upon the congregation. It was our Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Within two weeks of the outpouring, 24 men and 24 women covenanted to pray quotes, hourly intercession. So every hour someone would come in, a man and a woman, right? They committed to see that the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. And the numbers committed to this endeavor soon increased to around 70 from the community. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this prayer meeting, every hour, a couple of people would come in and they would continue to pray. Mm -hmm. This prayer meeting went on for 100 straight years, 24 wow. hours, seven days a week, right? Now Crazy. that's just, that's mind blowing. I mean, you and, you and I have pastored, right? We didn't have a mm -hmm. huge church, you know, but, but we definitely had 70 people, right? Mm -hmm. We, the, the most we could do in a prayer thing was like an afternoon, right? Every yeah. now and then you, you find a church that might be able to pray like through the night. And that's not, you know, like mm -hmm. bashing the church. That's just simply to say like how Impressive outlier this, this is. is. Yeah, yeah, wow. How outlier that is, right? Yeah. 24 hours, seven days a week. Now here's what it produces. Are you ready? In 1732, this is five years later, they send their first missionary out to Denmark. Now the reason that this is important is because at this time, missions did not exist in Europe. Mm. Nobody sent out missions people. It wasn't until actually William Carey, like 50, 60 years later, that, you know, kind of missions really started on, on the Protestant denominations. The reason being is what I said before, is Calvinism had taken root. And what you see historically, and my, my apologies to all my Calvinistic friends, is wherever Calvinism takes root, missions dies in a couple of <laughs> generations. Like it just does, right? So yeah. you, can, you can argue with me. You can, you can talk to me all you want about John Piper's Let the Nations Be Glad. I'm just telling you from historical, historical reasons, wherever Calvinism takes root, missions dies and wherever Calvinism takes root in churches, very few of them send people out. Hmm. Right. It's just okay, the way well, that it is. It was really nice to do these few episodes of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But we could make fun of Pentecostals. Like do they I know. know where their where their Bible is? Like, right. No, you know yes. I mean? like, of course. Let's be honest, right? So mm -hmm. that's just what had happened in that time. So for them to send a missionary is as impressive as 24 hour, seven day a week prayer. Yeah, for sure. It's just not happening. So watch this. Mm -hmm. 1776, right? It's about 50 years later. Mm -hmm. They had sent out 226 missionaries. Wow. From a village that never exceeded 200 people. Praise the Lord. So that cool. is 
that's the kind of activating prayer that we're talking about, right? It is mm -hmm. movemental. It's mm -hmm. a group of people that gather together to learn what it meant to abide in Christ, right? And this is the right. pattern that you see. Over and over, you can read about this in Steve Addison's uh, Movements That Changed the World. Fascinating book, a small little book, but it's really, really good. The pattern that you see over and over in movements, in, in revivals, whether it's Jonathan Edwards, Wesley, whomever, mm -hmm. is there a small group of people devoted to living out abiding prayer? What does it mean to abide in Christ? They have their hearts aligned to God. They learn more about their identity in Christ. They act with a new boldness and authority in their prayer. That leads to strategic and intentional prayer, which results in a movement. Mm -hmm. And you see this over and over. If you look back at Acts chapter 2, you can just see this. What happened? How many people? 120? Mm -hmm. Not a large group of people. They Sorry, had I'm their a Pentecostal. Well, <laughs> they, had, they had what? What did they do for 40 days before Pentecost? They listened to Jesus about the kingdom of yeah. God, right? They're having they their hearts aligned teaching, with him. Right. They're with him, right? That's all mm -hmm. abiding in Christ. That's all mm -hmm. having their hearts aligned with them. They gathered together strategically, intentionally, right? They're praying and then mm -hmm. boom, the Holy Spirit comes and there's a movement, right? The same thing happens with John Wesley and the Methodists. It came from Wesley and a couple of buddies gathering together in college to grow in Christ, that led to an all-night prayer meeting, which led to a movement. Same thing with Jonathan Edwards, which, you know, many of our Reformed brethren don't really, like, this doesn't come up. But he had actually started a seven-year prayer movement, right? Wow. The Salvation Army, William Booth, came out of all-night prayer meetings. Mm -hmm. The Azusa Street, since you call yourself a nice... <laughs> A nice Pentecostal. How many people do you think the Azusa Street started with? Mm, well, I'm cheating because I'm looking at the notes. Yeah, eight. But let me guess. It was eight people. <laughs> eight people. Eight people got together Crazy. and decided we're going to learn yeah. what it means to abide with Jesus and to learn who we are in Christ, mm -hmm. to, to live out that authority mm -hmm. and to strategically, intentionally pray. And from that small group, right? Mm. The Holy Spirit came and you have the rise of Pentecostalism, mm -hmm. right? The, the, yeah. the modern day movement of the church. Mm -hmm. So this is the pattern that you see, right? Small groups abide in Christ, align our hearts with Jesus, learn about our identity, walk in a new authority mm -hmm. in Christ in boldness, listen, discern, strategically pray, and movement comes. Mm. That's the model that you see. Yeah. Over. Well, and when you see, when you look at those, or you, I guess, hear those numbers, you realize that, oh my goodness, to pray for something for seven years. Honestly, I get tired of praying for my street after, oh, I don't know, maybe three times. I'm like, okay, you know, I prayed for them. We're good. I covered it. Let's move on. But to have the conviction, to have the resolve, to have the resolve to say, I'm not going to stop praying for this until I see the hand of God. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really convicting for me because these people were contending towards the same thing for a very long time. 
And how different would my street look if I just said, I am not going to stop until every one of these people meets Jesus? Well, I think what you're talking about right there is the difference between abiding prayer that leads to activating prayer and the prayer, which, you know, to be honest with us, most of us do, that is simply a good idea, Mm. right? That Mm -hmm. we should do. We should pray for our neighbors, right? We should pray for the barista. We should pray, you know, for my Mm. wayward nephew, something like that. Like we Mm -hmm. should do that, right? Activating prayer isn't a good idea. Activating prayer is flowing from that abiding with Christ, which is causing me to listen and to have Mm -hmm. a new ability to discern where God wants to see justice happen. Yeah. Where he wants to see gospel happen, where he wants to bring the kingdom. And in activating prayer, I'm simply coming into the space that God has already designated, this is where I want to work. So now in activating prayer, you and I aren't coming at our street from the sense of like, yeah, we should, we should pray for our street because, you know, that guest speaker came in and said, we should pray for our neighborhood, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. It's mm-hmm. flowing out of that abiding. And so because it's flowing out of that abiding and it's flowing out of my new understanding of who I am in Christ and the authority that I have, Mm -hmm. now that resolve, as you call it, has a much greater foundation upon which to rest. Mm -hmm. Because we're not praying for our street in the sense of like, yes, Lord, it would be great if you would. We're praying for our street in the sense of no. You, through Jesus, have given us authority as priests of the Most High God, and we declare that you have put us on this street, not by accident, Mm -hmm. but to bring about your kingdom, because Mm -hmm. we are your ambassadors. We are more than conquerors. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's it moves beyond a nice idea that I should pray for them. Yeah, right. And so what I wanted to talk about a little bit more was the abiding, what's what's happening in abiding prayer that is leading to activating prayer. And there are three things that are happening as we're engaging in abiding prayer that are very, very important. One is that in abiding prayer, we are having our hearts aligned with God. Okay. The second thing Mm -hmm. is we're coming to a greater understanding of our identity in Christ. And the third thing is we are learning to experience a new boldness in Mm -hmm. my authority in Christ. Now, this is what I mean by the aligning our hearts with God. Prior to abiding in Christ, most of our prayer life exists with bringing our agenda to Jesus. Mm. Now, as Tom Ashbrook says, that's not necessarily a bad thing because God invites us to do that, right? <laughs> he invites us, like, he invites us to bring our burdens yeah. to him, right? Yeah. But in the growth of abiding, what is beginning to happen is our hearts are beginning to align with God, and God's heart is one of justice, right? Where mm-hmm. things in creation are out of a line with the way that God intends them to be. And it burdens him, mm-hmm. right? It it causes him sorrow. So mm-hmm. as we're spending time with Christ, those things that burden him begin to burden me. 
Yeah. Whereas before I wasn't burdened by those things because I had my own agenda. <laughs> I'm yeah. burdened with making another couple hundred bucks a month. Right. Right. Now there's this great passage in, in Amos where he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Isaiah picks up on this as well. He says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. But this is what Amos writes after this very, very famous passage. But let justice roll on like Mm -hmm. a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. When you sit back and you really look at that, what's happening is God is saying, I'm interested in justice and you guys are interested in, I don't know, what would be a nice way to say it? Singing songs and having Christian holidays, right? Right. Now, these festivals, (laughs) God told them to celebrate them. You know, like, and to sing songs, he told mm-hmm. us to sing songs and to have fellowship and to bring offerings. Like mm. he told us to do all these things. Yeah. But what God is saying is there comes this maturity and this growth to where those things, we got to move on from that and begin mm. to look in terms of justice. That's the growth that happens when we're abiding in Christ. Yeah. I really feel so convicted again <laughs> by that. Like I despise your festivals and even though you bring me offerings, I'm not going to accept them. I just feel like, oh my goodness, what are we even doing? Yeah. Just to think about how much we've focused on what we would, you know, festivals, like big days, you know, Easter, that's a big one, right? Like how much we've focused on the putting on of Easter in the past or Christmas. Oh my goodness. Don't even touch the golden calf of Christmas, right? So I'm just, that song comes to mind, um, break my heart for what breaks yours. And really, I think that only can happen when we are abiding with Christ, when we are seeking him, when we're sitting with him, when we're earnestly sitting at his feet. And then also, obviously, when we have a greater understanding of our identity in Christ. So there's a lot that we could talk about with identity in Christ, but the number one thing is like we're ambassadors for his kingdom. I've recently begun praying when I am praying with authority. I say, you know, I am a daughter of the king, but I am an agent of the kingdom of God. So I have been given this authority in proxy. I'm carrying the badge of the kingdom, right? The Bible also talks about, obviously, we are more than conquerors through Christ. None of it is possible without the blood of Jesus. However, we often, myself is, I'm hugely guilty of this, but I don't, I don't stand in that. I'm like, oh gosh, I really hope God does something to change this. I don't say, no, no, no. As an agent of the kingdom of God, as a daughter of the king of the Lord, the most high, 
I declare that this is God's will in general, right? We know that. We can say that because of the scriptures, right? So we know that this is God's will, that people will be set free. He proclaims liberty to the captives, right? And opens the eyes of the blind and chains will be broken. All those things that scripture says. But a lot of times I settle for, oh gosh, I really just hope that you will make it different. So when we have a greater understanding of our identities, I really think that movement or this kind of prayer, activating prayer, can flow from that because we understand, no, 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 we, we have some, we have some power here. We have some authority here, right? Well, I think it really comes to that point where, you know, it's really that, that growth thing that only happens in your abiding with Christ. And as you as we continue on that trajectory, our eyes begin to be open, not to does God want to start a movement? Does God want to do something through me? But I'm a movement waiting to happen. I, I think Alan Hirsch puts it, yeah. puts it really well when he says, you know, if every believer in the world was wiped out, right? Except for <laughs> you, yeah. you have all the DNA mm. necessary to restart Christianity mm. to a billion people. Yeah. Right. Everything Crazy. we need. I mean, just think about this. If, if every church was wiped out in the face of the earth for whatever reason, and there was only one church left, mm-hmm. 50 people, you know, to gather on a Saturday night, right? Yeah. There is everything necessary within that group of people to start a movement of Jesus Christ, right? And that is abiding prayer. And, and that's where you're beginning to come and you're beginning, we're beginning to understand, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's not if. Yeah. This is what God wants to it's do. It's real. This is my purpose for being here, right? Is yeah. to start a movement, to be a part of the mm. movement, to see God work in the similar ways that he worked that we read about in the Acts of the Apostle. And but so often, you know, we as believers, we're just we're just complacent and content with, you know, you know, most of most of what we consider signs and wonders in the local church is just like God giving us provision. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, I was going to say of, yeah. the Western church, right? Yeah. The Western church. I, totally. I, I keep thinking like, gosh, we settle for so little. And I, we talk about other places like, wow, isn't that amazing? Like what God is doing in China, what God is doing in Colombia, what God is doing in fill in the blank city where, you know, friends in exotic places are really seeing the work of the Holy Spirit. And I got to wonder, we've heard it before, but it's something about our Western culture, the lifestyle we live, the comfort level we have, just, oh man. Uh, Well, I think you talked about it in the very beginning of our conversation is that we have mm-hmm. been forced into learning about prayer. Yeah. And in some of those, in some of those situations that you're talking about, they've been forced mm-hmm. into it. And what we don't have in our church context, our church culture is anyone forcing us to. Yeah. Right. Like 
we can literally, like you and I could literally just say, you know what, let's just find some nice church and we'll just go and like, we'll just do our homeschool and we'll do all that. And no mm-hmm. one's going to say anything, right? Well, and I was going to say, and we wouldn't really need God to do anything differently in our lives. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, got, we got money. We got like, we're fine. You know, I we'll think it's okay. really, I think that's part of the American Western idea is really in our day-to-day lives, do we really need God? Now, I think I know a lot of people, a lot of our friends who live awesome day-to-day lives, who are really aware, who practice this stuff. And yes, absolutely. They would say, yes, we need God in our day-to-day lives. We need, we need this authority. But I think maybe for the majority of people that we've run into in just in terms of like, you know, your church attendee, really, it doesn't really make a huge difference to them either way, right? Well, this is what I I think the point that we're trying to get across is when we honestly, humbly, Mm -hmm. poor in spirit, Mm -hmm. delve into what it means to abide in Christ, Mm-hmm. This is the result. Yeah. Right. The result is movement. The result result is mission. The result is kingdom. The result mm-hmm. is, you know, cultural transformation, seeing signs and wonders. I mean, when you think about it, you know, with the authority that we have in Christ, and, and you just kind of look at some simple scriptures, right? In in Luke 9 and Matthew 10, Jesus calls 72 people and he says, I will give you authority over demons. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. How special mm-hmm. are these people? Who knows? Their name's not even in the Bible. Right. Like, we yeah, have no idea. How like, crazy is that, we right? We have no idea who they are. Those people that you talked about in China and, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening in Africa and uh, Southeast Asia and stuff like that. Who's doing that? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, it's not, it's not the seminary professors and the seminary mm-hmm. trained people. Who mm-hmm. is making that happen? The everyday guys that pick rice. I don't know if you pick rice or you harvest it, right? But something to do with rice. Yes, like, it's these everyday are, guys. Right. These are everyday believers that are just living the authority that they have. And we look at that and say, wow, that's so amazing, but only because we are unwilling to abide with Christ. Mm-hmm. to really delve into that, right? Uh, you look at Mark 16, He Jesus even says, you're going to have authority over snakes. Now, I've been in ministry a long time. That has not come up to be <laughs> a problem that I have faced. But hey, I, yeah. you know, maybe in the future, that'll be something that'll come up. And then Matthew 28, right? All authority mm-hmm. has been given to me in both heaven and earth. And now you go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. You, this, this is, this is what it is. And so this is what's happening when we're abiding with Christ. Now Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily see this kind of movement prayer happening in your local church setting and in your kind of citywide kind of prayer things, whether it's a group of pastors getting together, a couple of churches band together to pray, Mm -hmm. something like that. You're not seeing prayer that leads to movements or typically some sort of effectualness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me share a story. You, you, You know this. 
it had been a number of years I was pastoring, and I had really gotten tired of entertaining Christians on Sunday. And so I thought, what would be the best way to honor Jesus's resurrection, right? Is it really to go out and buy pretty summer dresses and sing special songs and have lilies and do an altar call? Like, is that really what Jesus had in mind? Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know what? Let's go incarnate the gospel. Let's go to this local park because we had a Mm -hmm. relationship with the homeowners association there. They let us in. And so, you know, we just did a bunch of things. We figured a bunch of stuff out over the years. Well, the last time we did it, we had 1200 people at this event. And every year we had a number of people raise their hands. We had developed relationships with like 40 or 50 unchurched families. It was really this awesome move of God, right? Mm -hmm. There were years where we paid nothing because some random person would just come in and say, I want to pay for this whole thing. Yeah, Star Trek paid for it. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek, right? Gene Roddenberry (laughs) Foundation paid for it for like five years. He's got to be turned in his grave (laughs) knowing that he paid for this big Christian outreach. Now, the reason looking back that that was so important was one is we got out of the walls of the the church, right? That, that, That Right. That can't be understated. But secondly is because mm-hmm. I would go for the month or two before Easter almost every day, or at least every day I was went into the church office, mm-hmm. and I would walk that park, and I would pray, and I would ask Jesus, you know, do your thing here, right? And I yeah. would bring people, and we would have special prayer meetings. I mean, you were at these things, right? And yeah. we did that over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I didn't realize in the time what we were doing was activating prayer. We were a small group of people, right, who were listening to where God wanted us to be. Mm-hmm. And we were fasting. We were, mm-hmm. we were prayer walking. We were blessing, you know, all these things that make up activating prayer. And God was moving in our midst. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening. Okay, so th- so that's that. That's kind of that that prayer that leads to movement kind of thing. Okay, now we also had a prayer meeting at the church, which, if I'm honest, even as the pastor of the church and one that led the prayer meeting, not much came out of it. Right, not mm-hmm. really, not much came out of it. So we would pray, we would have, you know, three, four people there, maybe we'd have 10, 12 people there, something like that. Mm -hmm. We would pray, but they were typically like general prayers. We're praying for righteousness, you know, we're praying for our leaders, we're praying for God to, you know the Holy Spirit to be here and to touch people's hearts when they come in. We're praying for Sister Mary's arthritis. Like we're just, you know, there's just general kinds of prayers and not much happened in those times. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that you have, in my opinion, that you have an ineffectualness of the church prayer meeting is because it goes against this pattern that you see in the church, right? Yeah. One, in the prayer meeting that we typically have at your local church, we want it to be big, don't we? <laughs> like, yeah. we want everybody to show up. And mm-hmm. if a lot of people don't show up, we consider the meeting a failure. Yeah. Whereas the pattern of history would say, up, oh, it's actually a small group of people that mm-hmm. get things started. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, whenever we have a prayer meeting in a church gathering, everyone's coming at it with differing agendas. Mm-hmm. Right, the youth pastor he's praying about the youth, and the senior pastor is praying about you know 
people and money. That's the only thing we senior pastors think about more people and money. Mm. And then the other guy, he's his, his kind of pet thing project is like, you know, we need more righteousness in our schools. Mm -hmm. We need prayer in our school. Like everybody's coming at this thing with different agendas. The actual prayer meeting itself shows the agenda of the church, right? Typically your prayer meeting is fourth on level of priority in terms yeah. of meetings, right? Yeah. Number one, most important priority numero uno, any church is your worship service. And yeah. what kind of prayer happens in your worship service, right? Around your worship service. Well, it's kind of, right. It's just kind of simple, quick. Yeah, just not a lot going on. You got I, mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, so this is not like a. Dear Let's, God, thank you so much. Yeah, just it's pre prayer, right? Short and sweet. Yeah. And then, and then during your service, you know, you pray with everyone to get started, and then maybe you have a little prayer mm -hmm. during during the songs or something, and then you know maybe during before the sermon, the pastor prays. Maybe prays to end mm -hmm. the sermon. There's some sort of prayer you know, for maybe needs or salvation or something. And then someone will come up and they'll pray to end the service, right? That's kind of the dynamics mm -hmm. that happens in the prayer, right? But the number one agenda, number one meeting agenda is the worship service. Everyone's expected to be there. It's the only <laughs> meeting that we count yeah. attendance, right? Like yeah. that, it's the big one, right? The second one and the second and third is depending on your church. The second most important meeting is either your small group or where you serve. Okay. And small group could be like your ladies group, your youth group, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Two and three, right? That's your second and third most important meeting. Then rolls in number four, which is your prayer meeting, which mm -hmm. always happens some odd time <laughs> at some part of the day that no one's going to come anyway. Mm-hmm. And have you ever noticed that most prayer meetings, at least in the churches I've been into, it's in some off room somewhere? <laughs> like, well, <you> know? <laughs> yeah. So I think I think what we're coming to, this is from our own experience, right? Because we were pastors, so we were putting on these meetings. But I think what I really want to draw out is if we want to see God move in a way that, number one, we cannot control, like we can't predict what he's going to do. But we want to see him move in a way that is bringing the kingdom of heaven here to earth. That is not growing our church. That is not getting bodies in the door because that it's not the kingdom. Getting bodies into your church door is not the kingdom of God, right? But if we want to see that happen, maybe we need to start looking at, gosh, instead of having this church-wide thing, let's see if there's just two or three people who really have a passion for this corner of our city and let's get them praying. Let's get it going. Let's do it, right? So you're right. Like usually when we're talking church stuff, we're thinking church-wide prayer 24-7. It's gonna be awesome. But that's an event. It's a one-off and you can only really do that once if you make it this church-wide thing. But if you find the one or two people in your church that are super duper excited about 
this pocket of society, you get them praying and they commit to doing it, you'll see the movement of God. We'll see movement happen. I just think a lot of times, I mean, and we've talked about this in our other episodes. So go to season one if you want to hear about it. Our churches are so big and they function like businesses. So we do think in in terms of an event. What event can we plan for our members? That we're we're so caught up with that that we don't even have time to think about, oh God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Send your kingdom come, right? I want to see your spirit move here on earth as it is in heaven. I want to see the miraculous. We just don't even have time to think that way. Yeah, yeah. And so this isn't like, I just want to make sure that I'm not coming across as like, so churches shouldn't pray at all. What I'm saying is that in your local church permit, you have you have very well-intentioned believers that want to come mm-hmm. together and pray and see God do something. What I'm saying is the way we're going about it, like mm-hmm. you're not going to see it and you, you can't get mad at me. Just look. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just not happening, right? Mm-hmm. There is a pattern that you see in history. Follow that pattern. Mm-hmm. Find a group of people, small. I mean, you saw Azusa Street, eight people. Wesley, right? The Methodists. I think there were three of them, maybe four. Mm-hmm. Hernhut, right? Forty-eight people, right? Something like that. Hernhut actually started with like ten. Something small, and we just want to learn what it means to abide in Christ. Right. And wholeheartedly go for it with all of my heart, with all of my passion. And if we do that and continue to seek after like abiding prayer, it will produce activating prayer. Yeah. Right. It will it will help us to grow in our identity and our authority. And when believers live in their identity and authority, movements happen. That's the thing. So Stop with the church-wide prayer walking on every street and like we've got this prayer meeting. We got to stop with the worship and prayer nights and all that kind of stuff because history has shown that those things have very little effect. Right. They might be fun for some kind of member event, but they're not in terms of bringing the kingdom here on earth. That's not the way to bring it about, right? And I, so what I would say, you've seen in history, that's not what you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would say to wrap this up is I really, the cry of my heart and my prayer and my encouragement for anyone listening is that the Holy Spirit would spark a fire in your soul, that it would be deep in your bones that you would want to see God move in a way that you cannot even imagine, you cannot fathom. In Scripture, when it says He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, that is not giving us that really cool sweatshirt we wanted. That is a move of the Spirit that we cannot even imagine. It's setting captives free. It's seeing people come to Jesus. It's seeing lives restored. So my prayer for anyone listening is that you too would experience the hunger and the thirst 
to see God move and transform not only your life, but the lives of everyone you come in contact with, that your street would be transformed, that people would meet Jesus because of your life. That's my prayer. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Is that Prophet Kristen coming up? That's Prophet Kristen. There <laughs> yeah. we go. So anyway, this is kind of the transitional episode for the next series of guests. And these next series of guests are going to hit, you know, all the topics we've been talking about, our identity, our authority in Christ, uh, how that propels us to activating prayer. They'll be talking about some of the methods of activating prayer in terms of prayer walking, the priestly prayer, blessings prayer, praying for the sick, fasting, talking about the role of strategic and intentional praying, which is a lost art in the church, the role of listening and discernment in terms of where to pray, how to pray. So, I mean, we've got some just unbelievable yeah, uh, practitioners, so yes. like actual practitioners bringing movements about around the world. So it's it's super duper exciting. So with that being said, we want to, again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Only on a Sunday. Next episode, uh, we'll continue our conversation on activating prayer with Jill Randall as she discusses the interplay between abiding prayer, the authority of the believer, and healing prayer. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and feel free to check out what we're doing at thelowrysonmission.org or on Facebook at The Lowry's on Mission. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.